Welcome to another Two Age Sojourner. Thanks for joining us. And uh, this time I have Nick the Cult Killer Cleveland in the house. Say what's up, Nick. Hey, hey, how's it going? Oh man, I just got back from the Ankit camp, so I have had a bit of a trip away in Auckland this um, this weekend. Went up on when was it Friday? Yeah, so it's a it's a, a university student slash young adult deal that uh, Shaw Baptist Church runs. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, Shaw is um, part of uh, part of our fellowship as a church. Uh, Nick's part of. Uh, the Reformed Baptist Churches of New Zealand. Uh, so is uh, GraceNet, uh, the church I'm pastor of. Mm. And um, good fellowship. Yeah, it's a good fellowship. And uh, so is this church that we went up to, oh, that I went up to speak at uh, on the weekend. And so yeah, it was interesting. So it was kind of what, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. What was your subject? What were you speaking on? Man, I I loved the subject that I was speaking on. Uh, but this is kind of what what got me onto it because it, it's not the the most ideal time for me to hit up for that camp because it's just after our conference and kind of you know we got a million other things going. But then um, then uh, Andre, the pastor there, mentioned he was doing it on on church and mission. Uh, so I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm all my head's filled with biblical theology. So those are the yeah. two subjects that I just oh man, beautiful. And I tell you something, if I ever wrote a book, that is what I would write about. Um, you know, it's Sweet. just, yeah, I did the first session on, um, oh, you know what I'm going to do just before I carry on talking, I'm going to hit this timer so that I know what's up. <laughs> See, this is the tolerated sojourner getting all organized. Sorry. I'm not tolerated sojourner anymore. I'm <laughs> two age sojourner now. Um, but yeah, so, um, the first session was all about just, just tracing a biblical theology of the covenant community, witnessing to the, to the world and the city around us, starting with the Canaanite cities and, uh, you know, moving on all the way through, uh, a biblical You mean theology. there's missions in the Old Testament? There is. There is. Um, yeah, and that's, and you know, that's exactly what I want the, wanted people to see, you know. I mean, everyone is expecting you to go to the New Testament. And uh, we did. We, we ended up in the Great Commission. But I just wanted to build it up and build it up and just show how rich the Old Testament is in, in informing us about all these things. Because you basically, I mean, you know, I, the, the philosophy of cultural engagement, you know, coming out of the pilgrim principle and theocratic okay. principle, yeah. all of that. I just hit all of that. So I loved it. You know, I was I was just having an absolutely great time, you know. <laughs> so, um, good. Yeah, I mean, like in terms of, Maybe and maybe this is uh, I suppose there's a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about there, but I think one of the things I came away a little bit uh, I don't want to say disappointed by, but um, just kind of it had me on the back foot a little bit was um, just seeing how you know at one level it's it's super exciting to talk this through. Um, mm. at another covenant level, theology. covenant theology, exactly. And you just, you just reeling that through at another level. Um, <clears throat> it was a little bit discouraging to see how people had, you know, not really grappled with that stuff at all. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, know exactly what you mean. So, I mean, just, just let's, let's open this up on covenant theology then. Right. And, uh, just, I think two one liners. So when, when anyone asks me about covenant theology, what is it about? I mean, there are many ways to put it, but here are two one-liners that I've been using recently in light of our recent public, uh, biblical theology conference. Right. And that's uh, no grace before the fall. 
mm-hmm. and no common grace in Israel. Just as a way of really zero, zeroing in on some distinctives. Wow. Help, S- uh, say those again. Clarify. No grace before the fall. No grace before the fall. Yeah. No common grace in Israel. Yeah. Dude, I like that. Yeah, because you're just getting everything there. Yeah. So, so tell us, you know, let's let's expand on that. Why do you want to go there? Well, uh, um, no grace before the fall is absolutely crucial because um, in the garden, Adam was put into a covenant of works, mm-hmm. and we need to have a clean law gospel distinction. Um, maybe a little uh, biography would help. Uh, mm-hmm. it was actually, it was a conversation that I had with you. I think the first time we ever discussed mm-hmm. uh, grace and the covenant of works. Um, I'm a big John Murray disciple, yeah. and um, you know, John Murray doesn't like the notion of the covenant of works. He wants to call it the Adamic administration because right. you know, he, he, had a, he had a good motive. He wanted to show the law to be something good, right. and he didn't want a negative connotation um, with the fact that Adam was under a covenant of works. So he wanted to make it look good, and he wanted to marry grace and law in one way. And so he would talk about the fact that it was very gracious of God to put Adam in the Adamic administration. <clears throat> and I think yeah. it was you were the very first person who put me onto the fact that, you know, having grace before the fall is a bad thing. Yeah. Because if, yeah. if there's grace in the covenant of works that Adam is a part of, then there must necessarily then be grace in the covenant of works that Christ was under. And then, in other words, Christ needed grace. Yeah. Which is, that's a place we do not want to go. Oh, man. Yeah. I was actually just, um, I'm not sure where, when this um, episode will release and if it's before or after I spoke with Chris, uh, Chris Kahi about that thing. And, you know, cause he, his whole uh, tale of two Adams was a response to Norman Shepard. And, and like, basically that came straight out of, um, you know, the, the, the seedbed that, that Murray lay without himself, obviously <laughs> going all the way. Uh, but, yeah, as as Chris puts it, you know, you've got the administration, the garden administration, but the administration of what exactly we're left, you know, unsure of. Yeah. And of course, Murray's book is great, so we don't want to slam it or anything. And Murray was an amazing theologian, but it's just on that little point. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, it's, he it's, had some good intentions, but yeah. he, he was a bit wobbly in his definitions and he opened a door there. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so what is some of the, I mean, the Christology gets affected. In that we cannot say yeah. grace uh, that Christ, you know, uh, received what he did by grace alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just, it, I, I'm, as I said to Chris, I'm, I'm amazed that uh, Shepherd didn't catch himself in that moment, you know, like, hey, retreat, that's yeah. too far, pull back. Um, but, you know, that's the one thing. I mean, that seems like quite an obvious point to pull back on and go, you know what, um, that's a messed up Christology. Uh, let's let's retreat on that. But what other things get affected? If I we- guess I think the biggest problem would be the trajectory you're setting for yourself mm. by 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 starting with the covenant of works. So you haven't got a nice, clean law gospel distinction. You don't have law, works covenants versus grace covenants. You've got a gospel. G-L-A-W-S-P-E-L. You've got a, a, a law gospel merge. And that becomes the monocovenantalism where every other covenant looks like every other covenant. A right. Um, and so if Adam uh, basically could have saved himself by, 
by being very good as God helped him along with his grace, mm-hmm. then, hey, we might be able to save ourselves as God helps us along by his grace. Yes. Which takes us back to Roman Catholicism. Oh, boy. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is, um, it's interesting because you see that uh, there is a kind of neo, well, even if you just start with the, Purit- the Puritans and, um, and their, um, their saying of, you know, their emphasis on the, on the law, you know, at, at one level, everyone agrees the law is there to show us our sin. The law is there to point us, um, you know, to the way we should live. Uh, the law is yeah. a, a loving kindness of God given to us in the sense that, you know, he's our maker. He gave us the manual. He's showing us what to do and how to stay away from yeah. harm and what harms us. So all of that we agree on. But there's this weird kind of fusion. Uh, and you see the, the way that they talk about the law in the Christian life as <laughs> as a grace, as you were saying before. A gloss, a gloss, a gloss, a gloss. Uh, you end up with a... A fusion of law and grace, where grace, where where law actually does something for you in terms of your salvation. Um, so yeah. you know exactly what you were saying in terms of Roman Catholicism, but you're not expecting that in Protestantism, you know, um, <laughs> and you're not expecting exactly. that in the Reformation for crying out loud. So uh, it's a it's yeah. a scary thing to 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 come to terms with and uncover and see so much of our beloved Reformed theology. Is, is tainted with something that is very, very close to Rome. A gloss, a gloss, 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 gloss. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, they even, I wish I could remember the terms right now, but and I might actually have a look at this. But um, yeah, you get into men, and uh, I remember just, just going down the reform track and and um, looking at the various uh, reform theologians and, and you, you know, the Francis Turton, for example. I mean, wow, you know, he's just awe-inspiring, just this complete theological monster you're just reading through his works just amazed by what he's saying and yet his work is totally tainted with the stuff on justification it's scary and it's like it's so nuanced and so hidden in the latin and that sort of thing that you end up not being able to really be affected by it you know as you're just coming into things but yeah when you want to iron it out it's it's almost scary it, even what what i find you think about the um uh, the Free Church of Scotland and the Scottish Presbyterian thing, which is basically those are yeah. the guys that really took the sun. And uh, you see they are basically very legalistic churches. And, uh, you know, I suppose a lot of me thought, well, hey, that was just the cultural thing that they took on and that was unfortunate. But it's actually driven theologically. What do you yeah, think? if you've got a if you've got a wrong covenant theology, it's going to affect every other doctrine. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things, uh, again, coming back to this youth camp, I mean, you know, I'm, well, not a youth camp actually. And that's what, that's what uh, was kind of disconcerting in that yet you have uni students, you know, and, and young professionals. I mean, those are the guys you can really usually wrestle. um, You can wrestle things through with them. You know, there's an intellectualism about that period of your life that, uh, you know, it's got to be used. It's got to be put to work in the Christian life. If you're a Christian at that point, that is the perfect time to be working through this very, sometimes very technical, very difficult, but totally necessary uh, element of theology, you know? Wouldn't you say it's one of the missing ingredients of new Calvinism is, um, you know, is covenant theology? Oh, man, Absolutely. I do. I think that is, well, I suppose, because, you know, it's interesting. They've got the subject of soteriology down at, at some level, anyway, with the with the Calvinism, the five points and whatnot. But yeah. 
we're talking about the object of soteriology. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. It's the same. Yeah. It's the objective side of the same doctrine that they've left out for the most part. I mean, you know, if uh, I know yeah. if, getting into the pectum salutis and the historia salutis, not only the auto salutis. Right, and the the historia salutis, the history of salvation, is covenant theology. You know, God has revealed salvation through covenant theology. And so but it's a big thing to leave out. It's um, you can't just claim the subjective side and not the objective side of what God has done. It's going to have yeah. some really lopsided effect. And I think we're seeing that. I mean, I think, you know, again, you've got the Piper problems emerging. And, you know, I, I've just had a chat with my brother about that. And, you know, I, I want to be careful to honor Piper. I love Piper. You know, yeah. I really do. But, but you know, it's just like he, he would be, if he's anything of a, if he is the leader of the neo-Calvinist kind of movement uh, in, in, in terms of that <clears throat> resurgence that began, I mean, that would be a classic example of it in that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he know. doesn't have a covenant of works in his theology, so. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's going to be clearing holes in this whole area. Right, yeah. in this whole area. And, 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 you know, that's something for people to keep in mind. I mean, that it just, if nothing else, gives a level of discernment. It allows you to maybe just receive everything that Piper is saying through that rubric and go, hey, well, just just don't, you know, just be careful that you're not getting law and not grace and and uh, you're distinguishing between the two, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to do, and, and I kind of, we're running out of this one actually, but uh, maybe for the next, for the next uh, uh, session, um, I, I, we should talk about the the place of theology in the pulpit. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. that yeah. that would be something. I, I feel a little bit disillusioned right now. I got to be honest. It's it's kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, the theology's got to be there. And uh, you think about you think about these um, these like I think John Gill's commentary says it all. I mean, this guy <laughs> he wrote his systematic theology, double volume, and he's full. You know, his commentary on every book of scripture for the yeah. church. Respect. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Seriously. I mean, the only guy to be able to do that, but still, I mean, it was for the church. It wasn't some like academic uh, volume to be thrashed around. It was, it was for the church and uh, the church was able to receive it and they loved it uh, at that level. Um, it just shows, you know, when you read that now, you know, old English aside, it's just uh, scary. It's scary how, how that is now deemed, um, you know, just just very ivory tower theology, and it's it's not. We need it back. Anyways, that's that's time out for for this session. Good talk though. Um, that's good. Let's uh, let's pick that up next time. Thanks for joining us at Two Age Sojourner. Stay tuned. More Cold Killer Cleveland coming up. <laughs>